You're listening to the Common Fan Podcast, a Husker football podcast for the common fan by the common fan. Happy New Year to all the common fans out there. We're excited to be back and happy to have you with us. Matt, Jeff, Happy New Year, boys. Happy New Year, happy TJ. New Year. How were the holidays, fellas? Survived. Great. Yep, yeah, we made it. <laughs> with a, a lot, lot of good. help from Jack Daniels. That's right. <laughs> Jack and Johnny Walker and all those guys. Did you guys party it up on the New Year's Eve? Absolutely not. No. Not really. Not really. <laughs> we did. Damn it, we did. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. But, yeah, yeah we watched the, we watched the ball drop uh, in New York, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm on Pacific time, so that's only that's only yeah. 9 p.m. my time, <laughs> and uh, we weren't I wasn't in bed too much longer after that. I see. Yeah, um, we were up till after midnight. I think Janie had a couple friends stay the night. They were up till like two in the morning. It was a late night. Oh, good lord! Lord. house. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. Well, I hope you guys had a, a wonderful Christmas, a wonderful New Year's. We could probably do a whole separate episode, you know, breaking after we after the fun Christmas episode, we could probably now break down, you know, some of our activities and our meals and our snacks and our movies and songs and things like that. But uh, but we don't have time for that, uh, guys. We've got a we've got a very important episode planned. We're barreling into 2024 with a lot of hope for the future. Uh, and so we're excited to get to that real quick. Uh, please make sure to check out our YouTube channel and hopefully maybe you're watching on the YouTube channel right now. That's youtube.com slash at common fan GBR. And we also love engaging with all the common fans out there on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So make sure to connect with us on social media. And of course you can always send us an email at, at common fan, excuse me, at common fan GBR at Gmail. Com. And of course, make sure to tell some other common fans out there about the podcast. If you're enjoying it, tell others so they can join the fun as well. Mm. Now, gentlemen, we're going to take a big swing with today's episode, and it's time. It's time for Husker Nation collectively as a fan base to start moving forward. This is the this is the uh, Belly G option pass of episodes. We're going to throw the deep ball. Matteo's Matteo's favorite. Player. Yes. Yes. We're going to throw the deep ball. And, and maybe as a fan base, this is what we need to do. Maybe it's up to us common fans to pull this program into the next era of Nebraska football. God knows we've been there the last seven seasons. God knows we have never left. The program has been in hell. The fan base has been in hell. And Husker Nation has continued to show up. Uh, let's be clear on that. But we didn't come this far just to come this far. No, we didn't. It's time to fight our way back into the light, to borrow from Al Pacino in any given Sunday. It's time to climb out of hell. Yes. Friends, fellow common <laughs> fans, Husker Nation, we are here to tell you tonight, it's time to believe in Nebraska football again. Let's go. <laughs> I love it, boys. We're closing the book on the last seven seasons of losing 
of heartbreak, of gut punch losses. We're closing the book on this period of coulda, woulda, shoulda, this period of almost, but not quite, this period of, let's just say it, ineptitude. It's time to be done with it. We're going to speak it into existence if we have to, common fans, starting now. It's time to hope again. It's time to believe again. We're going to stop holding our breath, hoping that bad things won't happen, and we're going to start believing that good things will happen. And this isn't just wishful thinking. We have a whole host of reasons why it's time to believe again, including one very big one who will be on campus this month. We'll get into all of that shortly. But first, and I and I don't want to take us too far off track, guys, but we're all Star Wars fans. We're all Star Wars junkies, dare I say. Um, and I just keep coming back to the parallels here, and I wanted to run this by you guys a little bit. But think about it, when, especially we're talking about uh, the Huskers' prized recruit, of course, uh, Dylan Riola. The father was a warrior during the glory days, helping to uphold the standard of excellence that defined the program for decades. To this day, he remains a connection to today's gone by, the times we thought would never end. Now we've descended into the dark times, like <laughs> Obi-Wan says. The Empire. <laughs> Before the dark times, before the <laughs> empire, uh, to lower lows than any of us ever thought possible. The empire, a.k.a. the college football industrial complex, appears to have a stranglehold on us, keeping us down. But now the sun has come of age and emerged on the scene. The sun, uniquely talented and ready to write his own story, committed to both the importance of his father's legacy, and at the same time, to charting his own course. From the far corners of the galaxy, he arrives, willing, ready, and able to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like his father, running headlong into the fight to restore <laughs> Nebraska to its rightful place of prominence. We should point out here that the father never actually turned to the dark side. We, we are not suggesting that. We should say that. But... We don't want to put too much onto an 18-year-old kid, uh, but it's impossible not to feel like we're at the beginning of a new chapter, boys, a fresh start. Um, and and the, other, the other Star Wars reference I keep thinking about is at the end of Rogue One, when Leia is handed the Death Star plans and she's asked what it is, and she simply responds, hope. Yes. That's, that's, that's what, what we have hope. here. Yep. That's what we have here, gentlemen. Yep, we have a small glimmer of hope. TJ, rebellions yep. are built on hope. Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they are. Can I just say that that was, that was beautiful? I, I, I almost cleared <laughs> up there. I had goosebumps. I, I, I had, had goosebumps. goosebumps. Thank you. I Thank mean, you, that boys. was beautiful. The only thing I would say is that's a good comparison there. I would also, I envision Dylan saying something to like Kirby Smart, like, you have failed, your highness. I'm a Husker. <laughs> with my father before me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, my God. That's brilliant. But it is like it's, un, you know, we have gone from from number one. Right. We, we we were we've gone from the New Republic and now we're the rebels. Now we're the scrappy underdogs and mm -hmm. we're, we're fighting to to displace the powers that be in college football. Um, uh, but it's fun. I've all, you know, everybody wants to be part of the rebel Alliance. Um, Absolutely. so, so, um, it is, it's, it's January common fans. Uh, you know, it's, it's 
it's time to to put you know co- college football is just about over we're recording this the day after some phenomenal playoff games um i hope you guys had a chance to watch those it's always mm-hmm. sad to me um because nebraska to to date in the history of the college football playoff nebraska is never playing in the final game so like the final game you always watch it but sometimes it's good sometimes it's not it's always sad to me when you get past january 1 and the the season the college football season is for all intents and purposes over um but that doesn't mean it's over for us on the common fan podcast no no we got we're gonna run headlong into the new year full of faith and hope and optimism um and we're really excited about it so uh all right i want to pivot to all the reasons to believe and and we need all of husker nation to come with us on this it is time to believe in nebraska football again did you guys have any other comments on that that opening uh uh, opening salvo first um well you know with the star wars uh references i kind of wonder does that does that maybe um is it has nebraska football kind of been uh, like an Obi-Wan, like a hermit in the desert, just kind of, um, kind of sitting and waiting. Um, I kind of, I, I kind of thought of that a little bit. Now mm-hmm. we've got Rayola who hopefully will bring balance to the force, um, <laughs> and get Nebraska back to the top, but, um, uh, not to get too Star Wars nerdy with everybody, but we know that I will. Um, Anakin was actually did bring balance to the force, but he went to the dark side to, to do it. So we don't, we don't want anybody going to the dark side. Uh, to no, bring back to bring not. Nebraska back uh, to the top, but um, but I love the I love the Star Wars references, TJ. Very good. Well, I do think I do think we've we've been in the wilderness. Uh, what you know, we are uh, you know in our in our mind, we're the good guys who have who have been displaced, and uh, it never should have happened. It never should have been that way, and now we're mm-hmm. fighting our way back. Um, you know, fighting our way back. The CFIC yes. and Order sixty six. i was thinking too um since we have all these parallels like in the star wars universe who who what roles do we play tj you strike me as like a han solo type for some reason i don't know why owens do you have any idea who you'd be compared to what role would you play as a character in this this universe no i think uh you know if if i were to be able to you know classify as a jedi um i would like to think that i'm obi-wan kenobi um okay. but you know i don't know that's pretty that's pretty uh wow. thinking pretty highly of myself i guess <laughs> <laughs> i think i i think more or less like you might be one of those guys that emperor don't no no oh, oh. don't tell me like, <laughs> i thought you're gonna tell me i was the the uh chubby guy flying the x-wing Por- <laughs> porkins? 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 porkins who no, are you I- jeff I, I'm probably, I mean, I mean, let's just go with it since it's the whole small leprechaun guy thing. I'm probably that little thing that sits on Jabba the Hutt's shoulder <laughs> that whenever he says anything, I- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. That's Jeff. me. That was good. That was good. Thank well, you. I'll take, I'll take Han Solo. Jeez. I'm, I'm touched by that. I'm absolutely, I think we could, we could not first. I think what we should do is a whole separate episode where we assign those characters, not to ourselves, but to like the mm-hmm. current, like Nebraska football infrastructure. Like I feel like maybe rule is Obi-Wan in that scenario. Yeah. And Dylan Riola is Luke. Obviously. And maybe Fedoni is Han Solo. Yeah. And like, we we, have some fun we, with that. 
And, yeah, and, and it's too bad Harvey Harvey Perlman's not around anymore because he's for sure Palpatine. Sure like there's no ever. question about it. <laughs> How do you know he's not still pulling the strings from behind the scenes? He might like be. He might be. Yeah, you don't know. Be. You don't yeah. know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, for just in case there's any non-Star Wars common fans out there, we better not spend too much time on this. <laughs> All jobs for nothing. We can, we, can do, we can do a separate Star Wars only episode that people can can take or, or choose to listen to or not. Um but but for real common fans, um, we are coming into the year with a ton of optimism here. And I think that, I mean, honestly, we joke about winning the offseason and winning the offseason national championship. But guys, I really do think the Dylan Riola commitment, which happened what December, late December, kind of December. 18th or 19th. Yeah. Um, and it didn't really come, it came out of nowhere about a week before that. Um, and so like po after the season's over, it's we're you know, okay, you're one for rule or five and seven. Here's the good, here's the bad, whatever. Nobody was talking about this though. Mm -hmm. Uh, even even past Thanksgiving and into December. And then this came out of nowhere. It really does change the conversation. And in real, you know, we, we've got four kind of main reasons for why it's time to believe in Husker football again. And Dylan Rayola is at the top of the list. And I think, you know, we all need to be a little bit cognizant of not putting too much on a 17 or 18 year old kid or, or whatever it is. And, you know, we've seen talented players come in before and, and we know that, you know, there's 11 guys on, you know, on the football field on, on one side at any given time. And so, you know, he's, we're going to, they're going to have to, to, to surround him with talent and, and make right good decisions in good coaching decisions, all those things. Um, but, you know, uh, the day after Gil uh, Riola committed, Gary Sharp, friend of the program, um, that that morning on his show, he called it a new era of hope. And kind of the thing he focused on that morning was, okay, the Huskers need to, you know, the Huskers have had this before. Adrian Martinez was really promising and they kind of maybe failed him in a way where they didn't surround him with enough other talented players and maybe some coaching decisions or stubbornness from the coaching staff didn't help Adrian necessarily. And so Sharp's focus was basically like, here's the ways they need to sort of supplement and support Riola from a personnel perspective and a coaching perspective and a resources perspective and all of that. And we certainly agree with that, but um, I think we kind of want to focus on, you know, why this is such a big deal and why so much hope comes with the, the commitment of just one player. And I think number one for me guys is the talent. Okay. And I'm not an expert film watcher. None of us are coaches other than, you know, Matty I know you, you've excelled as a flag football coach and we want to make sure to give you props for that. Um, but, Leader of men, you know, and, men. And, and I think also we have been burned so many times as Husker fans, whether it's with, we think a season's going to go a certain way and it doesn't, or we think a certain player is going to pan out and he doesn't. And so I know for me, even with the Riola chatter, the first time around, you know, a few months ago or however long ago it was, it was kind of like hard to get invested. And is he really as good as everybody says? It's you just kind of have those natural sort of, it's like a defense mechanism at this point, those natural, you know, second guessing moments, I feel like, um, but since he committed and since we had Zach Carpenter on the, on the program talking about the guy's potential and how good he is, I don't know about you guys. Um, I found some highlights on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy makes it look easy to kind of flick the ball 50 yards down the field. He looks really, really good and really smooth out there. Yeah. I, I did the same. I, I admit I, you know, I had not watched 
a second of Dylan Rayola highlights because I, you know, I just the last, I don't know how many years I just have, I haven't been the guy to get excited about recruiting. You know, it's kind of, I don't know, maybe it's, I'm getting old. It's like, well, let's wait till the guys are wearing the scarlet and cream and they're on the field on Tom Osborne field before I'm going to start getting right. But you know, when you get a, a number one quarterback uh, recruit, naturally I just like, okay, well let's see what this kid's got. I was guys, I was blown away. Like you, I'm watching and going, yeah, I totally understand why he's the number one quarterback recruit in the country. Like he's literally like Zach said in our, in our episode with him, uh, Zach Carpenter, he, he literally appears to be able to make every single throw you would ask a quarterback to make like rolling to his left, rolling to his right, throwing from the pocket. Like it's, it's incredible. Yep. And a great deep ball, really good deep ball. Yeah, and so is that that's where you guys are different than me. Again, and I, I'm kind of like you still though. Owen's like, I don't really watch. I don't know. It's weird to me watching videos of like some high school kid playing football. I don't know why. I'm a 41 year old man. Well, it's kind of like it's, <laughs> it's most of us don't do it. It's okay. Most yeah. of us don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope I'm not in like the <laughs> like outside that bubble where it's weird. But I just don't do anything like that. So fire away. I mean, I've already been pumped, and I think the first trigger for me that made me realize that this is something that's a lot different was just Nebraska nowadays just doesn't get the national coverage that we used to. And usually it's somebody making fun of us and <laughs> like Desmond Howard or some butthead like that talking crap. But like, I mean, big names were talking about us when that started going around. And I just knew that it felt different that, boy, this is serious stuff. If we got these people covering us and talking about how important this would be to our program. Um, that was the first yeah. thing I noticed is just how big other people made this out to be and not from within the Husker you know, media. This was outside big names. So I thought that well, was really awesome. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of butt hurt Georgia fans too. Like all of a sudden, right. like, like tweeting about Nebraska. Like we didn't want him anyway. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. We, yeah. We, yeah. yeah it's like, it was that you, you, you mentioned that on Twitter. I think TJ was like that phase of like, well, we didn't want that guy anyway. And we've been, we've been guilty of that too. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. Certainly over the years, but it's just kind of funny to see, you know, the the guys that have literally been at the pinnacle at the top the last few years in Georgia, their fans getting all upset because you know Nebraska got a guy from them basically. <laughs> so that part yeah. was kind of, that part well, was pretty fun. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was. And I think that the the reason it's such a big deal in my mind too is there aren't very many five star recruits every year. Right. And so like Mm -hmm. you can kind of, you can usually say, well, okay, he's a four star. He's a high three star. So what? There's a thousand of them. Some of them pan out. Some of them don't, whatever. There aren't very many five stars every year and we don't usually get them. Let's be honest. Like we don't, you know, and we actually, we've usually have top 25 recruiting classes more years than not. And that's, pretty impressive considering the the product on the field in recent years. Yeah. We just yep. don't get a lot of five stars. So not only do we have a five star here, um, but he is considered by many to be the top quarterback recruit in the class. And he plays that position. Right. I yep. mean, that's, that's what the quarterback position is so important and it always has been, but I think you can argue we saw it this year, right. When we did, when we didn't have quarterbacks who could, kind of do what the offensive coordinator wanted. And they had to, you know, they had to kind of MacGyver an offense together with three different quarterbacks throughout <laughs> the course of the year. Um, and so, <laughs> and so um, it's such a big deal that, you know, yeah, we'd be excited if it was a, if it was a five-star offensive lineman or a five-star Jeff's, Jeff's knocking his cat away again. 
Um, um, but it's such a huge deal that that the guy plays quarterback, right? Yeah. Um, and then what I notice on the film too, Matteo, to your point is I don't think he's considered a running quarterback, but he's not a statue back there. I mean, he looks no. smooth. He can move, and nice. I think that's really exciting too. Like I don't know that you know we're going to ask him to to run the option, um, but he's an athletic kid. Right. And that's, that's what I think, I can't remember if Zach Carpenter said that on our pod or if it was on Twitter or something too, but, or, or maybe we mentioned, I was been compared to Patrick Mahomes, which I think is, you know, it's okay. Let's pump the brakes a little bit, but in terms let's, of style let's of play, let, let's let the kid find his dorm room first. Right. Right. In terms of style of play, I kind of get it. Mahomes isn't a run, but he, the guy can run. If, yeah. if the situation calls for it, yeah, he's going to run the ball. And yeah. I, I could see I could see Rayola doing that too if if needed, but I certainly don't think we need to be calling quarterback draws for the kid. Yeah, yeah. No. So, so oh, go ahead, Jeff. You have something to say? No. The only thing I was going to say is like just from I know you said there's 11 other players on the field and that's fine, but just from watching the playoff games yesterday, like with that Penix dude, I don't know much about Oof. their wide receiver core and what kind of wide receivers they have, but just having anybody that's even remotely close to that. They can just throw yeah. dimes. And it was just watching that. I'm like, could you imagine if Nebraska had anybody close to that, that could just put the ball where it needs to be. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's a huge game changer in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, how, how many times we, when we were critical of Satterfield during the course of the year, it was mainly because you'd like, actually, yes, we even see guys open on some of these plays, but yep. you kind of, you don't have the personnel to execute these plays right now. So if you mm -hmm. have a quarterback who can find those guys and hit them, that changes everything. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you go tap. from, when you go from thinking about if we had even average quarterback play, how many more games yeah. did we win? Right. And then you go out and you yep. get the number one quarterback recruit in the country. Like talk about like figuring out what, what you need. I mean, although it was painfully obvious what we needed, uh, absolutely needed a quarterback, but to go and to go and get this kid. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care if his dad is a legacy, like it's still a big get like, and there's probably a bunch of NIL money waiting for him, but he would get that anywhere else too. Exactly. Like, so, yeah. I mean, I just think what, what'll be interesting and, and we'll probably talk about this a lot over the next few months of how Matt rule and his staff are addressing specific needs that they noticed that, we need to improve upon. Um, yep. So um, you know what, getting getting Luke Skywalker to come play quarterback, <laughs> pretty good way to handle yeah. things. Yeah, it's a good start. Well, yeah, and I think look, I think at this point, he, I don't know if they're going to go get somebody for depth or what. They've got Harburg and they've got Danny Kalen, who's another another uh, really good high school high school quarterback coming in. You probably want at least one more just for depth purposes, but I think right now. I think we, we all have to consider Raiola as your your game one starter. I mean, yeah. you know, God willing, he, he stays healthy and everything, you know, everything progresses according to plan. But, you know, Zach Carpenter talked to us about how, you know, he's been to a few different high schools. He had no trouble picking up the offense at every place he's been. He actually brought plays with him from off, uh, previous offenses that he's run. I mean, I think the the mental and the intellectual side of it is is, you know, is all there as well. Um, and I think if your rule, you just you just decide you're going to invest in this guy, right? And we got him for hopefully four years. I mean, if all goes well, maybe after three years he wants to get drafted or something. But you hope, look, this is a three to four year proposition here. Let, let's be honest, Husker fans. Like, 
let's not hand them the Heisman yet. Let's not hand us the national championship trophy yet. There's probably going to be some growing pains when you're starting with a true freshman, but I think the ceiling is so high and the upside, the potential upside is so high. I think you pour everything you can from January winter workouts through spring ball through right up to fall camp and right up to that first game um, in August. Um, you invest in this guy like he's your number one guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, and this is completely looking way down the road with and with you know red red colored lenses. Um, Beautiful. But sometimes I think what can happen with a college football program is you get one guy like this, like like a Dylan Rayola, and then there can there can sometimes be a domino effect of like yeah. I want to go be the next guy. Like, look at, look at, I mean, this year they, they were fine, but how many years in a row did Ohio State have, like, a complete stud at quarterback? Like, two mm -hmm. of them are starting the NFL right now, Justin Fields and, and, and C.J. Stroud. But then there was guys even before that, like, Cardell Jones was really good. And and yeah. um, um, I'm forgetting somebody. Um, J.T. Barrett was, like, a really good yeah. college quarterback. Like, they had just these guys lined up year after year. It was like, well, here's the next guy. So mm -hmm. really, really hopeful thinking and way down the road, years down the road, but hoping that that maybe this turns into like, okay, we have some success with Rayola, win some games, and then somebody says, that looks like it's really cool to be the stud quarterback in Nebraska. I think yeah. I want to take a shot there too. Or just well, that other positions like receivers, like, yeah, I want this guy to throw to me. Same he thing. Think about, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so, what, that was a, another reason we had for for why Rayola is such a big deal. The door it opens to other top recruits, and I think you're you're right, Matt. So, like, hopefully, like now, like immediately, like whether it's I know we're hosting um, some one transfer portal running back from Oregon and two receivers, one from Texas, and I can't remember where the other one's from. But this week, all those guys will be on campus, transfer portal guys, right now. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, all these guys, all these top players, they're on, they go to camps together. They're on the circuit together. They get to know each other. So hopefully Raiola has got some relationships, you know, hopefully we can leverage this with, with next year's recruiting class guys, guys who are going to be seniors um, in the fall seniors in high school. Um, and, 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 and hopefully this can open the door to a bunch of top recruits, you know, who want to come play and, and be a part of this. But I think also you're right where maybe some, some top quarterbacks who, Maybe we're looking elsewhere. Might be might be thinking twice and saying, "Hey, wait, what's going on in Nebraska? Maybe I should give them a look." Um, and then, so so that's a really that's that point is spot on. Both of you, um, was that a cat, Jeff? No, that was a cough. Sorry, I tried. Oh, okay. to no, no problem, no problem. <laughs> and then uh, I, the last one, just to put a bow on the Riola thing, is kind of summed up by what we're talking about right now. But it's the belief it infuses into the program and into the fan base. And like I think we all like. Again, this is not something I think the recruiting sites and others pay really close attention to who's following who on Twitter and all that sort of thing. But I think we even noticed when the smoke started to appear that, wait, this Riola thing might be real in that, you know, that, that week or so that it that was going on in December, tons of current players, you know, doing the eyeball emojis and the cryptic tweets and all that sort of thing. Tons yep. of sort of recruits who were committed to the class doing that. Like other guys know this is a dude. Yeah. And other guys know like this is a big deal. And it's like it feel it, it, like contributes to that feeling that we're building something where we're we're like we're 
we're, there's something exciting going on here and we want to be a part of it. Right. Yeah. Yep. We have to believe it. Yeah. Well, and maybe, and maybe little bro ends up coming here too. I've been hearing, hearing and seeing things about uh, Dylan's little brother. That kid, he's a lefty QB Dayton Riola. Yeah. Um, and I think he's like maybe three years younger or like, he's I, not freshman he's not, or sophomore in high school, I think. Yeah. So let's just, let's just get that kid here. Yeah. And let's give let's give Dylan one year to kind of learn the ropes, and then we're probably looking at I don't know six to eight consecutive national championships would be my guess. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, yep. good, perfect. Ceilings. Perfect. Yep. All right. Well, I'm sure like that that kind of puts a bow on the on the Riola discussion. But I mean that, that like again, we, we want to be mindful of not putting too much on on a kid who who you know is going to be on campus starting in January, which is a more which is more and more common these days, but realistically he's going to be going through spring ball when he should be going to prom right so let's like let's just pump the brakes a little bit let the kid let no. the kid find his way no. around campus find his dorm room <laughs> but we, we, uh, we compared him to luke skywalker he, yeah, he's yeah. Right. no pressure but but also, you are the chosen one no, he's, he's, the he's, 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 the program. he's gonna <laughs> blow he's gonna blow up the death star in season one yeah that's right that's right so no big deal. I don't. I don't know what that means. Maybe that means going to USC and winning. Maybe it means you know. I don't. I don't know who it means. I mean, for it. eight eight wins, and we'll consider it blowing up the Death Star. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I think a bowl game, and we'll consider it. Yeah, up the yeah. Death yeah Star. Probably more again. more appropriate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, not to worry, common fans, uh, because we have several more reasons why it's time to believe in Husker football yet, and why why we're closing the book on seven years of ineptitude. So the number two one that I had on the list, guys, is homegrown Huskers. Yes. And so like this isn't in and of itself, you know, necessarily um, always a telltale sign. But think about it, guys. The best Nebraska teams historically, like T.O.'s best teams, even Devaney's best teams, they had key contributors, not just key contributors, like all conference, all American types, from the state. Um, we have three Heisman Trophy winners. Two of them are from Omaha. Yep. Like how incredible is that? That's yep. that's extraordinary. Um, and so the last two recruiting classes, Matt Rule's first two recruiting classes as head coach, are full of potential impact guys from the state. So I went back and took a little bit of a look. I did a little bit of a deeper dive than I've done before. So just in this class, the recruiting class that just signed, and a lot of these guys will be on campus in January. The rest of them will arrive in the spring and summer. Um, you've got eight Nebraska kids in the class. Uh, and that's including some dudes that other people wanted, right? So Carter Nelson, um, Geoff, you're, you're, you know, you're domers. I, you know, again, we're still not sure if you had a part of that or not, but <laughs> Notre Dame tried to, tried to Wait, rest ignorance. Notre Dame tried to rest him away. I was in Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, you failed, Jeff. You failed. <laughs> you failed. He, he stayed home. Um, uh, Danny Kalen, right? Elite 11 quarterback. Um, I, I don't know if you noticed, guys. Missouri went ahead and beat Ohio State in their bowl game. Yeah. Missouri mm -hmm. wanted Danny Kalen. He was committed yeah. to Missouri. Um, yep. Caleb, Caleb Benning had a great offer list. He's been, you know, he, I feel like he's all, he's not really a sleeper, but some of these other guys get so much hype, but I've heard Benning might be one of the best all around athletes and all around players in the class, which is super exciting. Um, and then a couple of those Bellevue West wide receivers, Davon Hall and Isaiah McMorris. I think those are both four-star guys. These are all in-state, um, uh, you know, in-state guys. And then even just, even looking at last year's class, uh, Matt Rule's first class, 
um, you know, Malachi Coleman, Jalen yeah. Lloyd, those, both of those guys are, you know, I think they're going to be like, like now that they have somebody who can throw to them, they're going to be impact players, impact wide receivers who can make a difference, take the top off a of defense and go out and get you some points. I mean, I, and I love the idea too of, you know, Jalen Lloyd, I don't think he had a, uh, an offer before Nebraska came along. And that was one where rule said, this guy's got speed, but we, that we, he's got enough to work with. Let's bring him on campus. Uh, I think he's one of the, he's probably the most exciting receiver. You know, he came out of nowhere this year um, and had um, some massive Lloyd, Lloyd had the big touchdown against Iowa. Yeah, Did he have the one against Wisconsin that. as well? I remember. Was that him against sure. Wisconsin as well? I think Wisconsin. that was Jim. Or was that, um, I, I think that, that second touchdown where he just ran past everybody. I, I think, think that was, was. he's had too. three. I think he had three on the year. Yeah. So he's had these massive plays where he either runs past everybody, you know, blows, takes the top off the defense or that one against Wisconsin. Like he caught the ball, but he wasn't by everybody yet. He, and then he just kind of ran past them once he had the ball, you know? Yeah. And so, um, but that's really promising both like what it says about, you know, rules evaluation and the staff's evaluation um, but again, also because it's, it's another Nebraska guy. And then of course, a bunch of offensive and, and defensive linemen, um, which has always been our bread and butter kind of with homegrown kids, but it's kind of fascinating to see now, obviously Johnny Rogers is from Nebraska, Eric Crouch is from Nebraska, but I feel like, you know, our model was the Wisconsin model before the Wisconsin model, right. right. Which was to, to mm -hmm. load up, load up on big dudes from the state, load up on big offensive linemen. Um, of course, you always, you know, it's easier to keep any of the good skill guys home as well. Amon Green is an Omaha guy. Um, you know, Cluster Johnson, I think, is an Omaha guy. So there's others, of course, that we're not that, that I'm probably not thinking of here. But we would often go have have to go get skill guys from out of state. Yeah. Um, and it's just really encouraging the level of talent that we've seen that's right here in Nebraska. And then now in this day and age of NIL, of Everybody has, everybody can review your huddle tape with a click of a button. There's no, there's, there's no diamonds in the rough anymore. Nick Saban yeah. can find anybody anywhere. Kirby Smart can find anybody anywhere. So it's harder than ever to keep these guys home. And the rule staff has really prioritized that. They understand what it means to the fan base. I think you see it really means something more to the players as well. And they kept a bunch of these dudes home this year and last year. Yeah. And, and I think, that that's been mentioned and discussed over the last I don't know 10 12 years or so um and you know coaches and coaching staff saying they're going to prioritize that protecting the borders um but we've still let too many guys get away I mean just mm -hmm. look at those dirty golden domers uh with that Watts kid he's an Omaha kid and yeah. he was like didn't he win the Nagurski or something he was like defensive, yeah, he's a player, defensive of player of the year yeah and he's he from Omaha Nebraska away. Did you, did you guys happen to catch how, how Notre Dame laid a beat down in their bowl game too? I mean, good lordy. Did you guys watch that game? No. You didn't no, watch nobody, that game? Nobody no. cares, Jeff. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know that game was on TV. Oh wow. Well. <laughs> I, I mean, if it was, it was it on Peacock? Was it on the cock? <laughs> <laughs> it was the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, if you must uh, know. Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. The Sun Bowl against mm -hmm. Oregon State. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, no, and I just saw Watts is coming back for another year at, at Notre Dame. So mm. um, congratulations to you, Jeff. Thank you. But, Riley Leonard coming in. We've got Angelia back up. Things are looking up for the Irish too. So legitimately right. nobody, ahead. nobody cares. Jeff. <laughs> nobody um, cares. <laughs> but no, but to that point though, Matt too, I mean, how many times have we seen these kids get away 
and then go star at other programs. Right. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, you're not going to get every one of them. It's harder than ever. Like, like we just kind of outlined, but I do think there were times when there were kids of equal or even a little bit more talent. And for whatever reason, past coaching staffs maybe didn't prioritize them or, or thought, well, kind of took them for granted. They'll, you know, assume they would stay home and then they didn't. And they went after a kid of about the same talent from a different state who didn't pan out or ended up transferring out because he was homesick or whatever. Um, and so like, I think keeping those kids home is huge. It's cliche. I think it means more to these guys, you know, yeah. when, yeah. when they grew up with it and they know about it. Um, and then also like how, like the other piece of that is how many times has Iowa or somebody else found a diamond in the rough that maybe wasn't a big recruit. Um, that guy, that guy from that's about 2015, 2016, the defensive lineman, it's escaping me, but he was throwing the bones. Oh, that, that kid Nebraska. from, yeah, was he creating prep kid or something? Ott? Yeah. I think uh, it was well, that was it. There was, that was one. And then there was another one I'm thinking of that was even more of, um, under the rate and under the radar. I know. I, 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 yeah. have, I can see him throwing um, the bones and, uh, and I think he went on to have to play in the NFL. I think you're right. Um, the name's escaping me, but you know, so, so well, again, it turns out he's not such a big deal after all, huh? <laughs> can't even remember his name. Um, can't remember the guy's name, <laughs> but, but, um, but like, again, that's to the Jalen Lloyd example of maybe an under the radar guy, the staff saw something in him and invested in him. Yeah. So, the talent, the talent yeah. evaluation thing um is is a big deal and we've yeah. we've been we've been lacking in that a little bit uh for for a while so hopefully we've got some good evaluators now yeah and the other piece to the homegrown huskers conversation is legacy huskers and we're not the first to make this point i think um i think it's the husk guys twitter account and probably some others but it's kind of funny you see guys on twitter saying so you know when are these when are the uh, players of the national championship teams going to have children that are old enough to play for the huskers <laughs> and now we're finally seeing it right yeah, so, yeah. Uh, dylan riola is a legacy caleb benning's dad is a national championship you know everybody knows damon benning national championship mm -hmm. winning um running back um, Keelan Smith in this recruiting class, son of Neil Smith. Um, he's not a, he's not an in-state guy, uh, but he's from, you know, the 500 mile radius. He's from the Kansas city area. Maverick Noonan was in last year's class. He's an edge rusher. I think they're super excited about him. I think he was on track to see the field and then dealt with an injury before the season started, if I remember correctly, but, um, Danny Noonan, uh, who's like an early nineties Husker is his dad. Um, Sam Sledge, an offensive lineman, who I think was in last year's recruiting class. Um, his dad was a letter winner in the eighties. Um, so I don't know if it means anything or not, but, but it's another thing that, that Husker fans, I feel like, like have a unique affinity for like, you know, when anytime a former player's son comes into the program, it's like, you know, they're, yeah. they're part of the family. Right. Right. And you know how you know, we're dads, you know, how dads are, they, they probably got their their Husker Husker memorabilia in the house. And, and then, you know, the, when the kids get old enough, they want to know, you know, maybe see some of dad's old film or old games or something like that. So these, you know, these legacy kids, they grow up, you know, eat, eating, sleeping and, and breathing Husker football. At least I'd, I'd like to think most of them do. Um, so, it just, you know, it means a lot for the guys, the in-state guys. It means a lot for the guys whose dads played there, you know? Yeah, so it's, I, exactly. we'll, I'll take as many of those legacy guys as we can get. Well, I think it absolutely was a factor in Riola's decision. Um, yeah, and he talked about, you know, I, I, you know, maybe it was different for him. I, who knows, you know, if, if the household, you know, planned every Saturday around watching the Huskers or not, because 
you know, Dominic played in the NFL for so long and, and the kid lived in Arizona and other places. So who, who knows who is, but I think he always, at the very least, he grew up coming to games. He grew up coming back to Lincoln on a regular basis. Obviously dad is revered here and the place had a special place in his heart. And I think even if he had gone to Georgia or he had gone to Ohio state, I think he always would have felt fondly about Nebraska. So certainly it doesn't hurt when these guys who were such good players, now their, their offspring uh, is getting to the age where they can play. And by the way, they happen to be pretty dang good too. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, we probably, let's, let's be real. We probably don't get Dylan if, no, if Dom didn't play here, and Uncle Donnie's not the old line coach. Um, Probably we're, not. we're not even. We're, he's not even sniffing Lincoln, Nebraska. No, without yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Is it wasn't the reason he chose Nebraska, but it doesn't no, happen with, but, without yeah, that factor. It right? helps, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think that's right. So, look, just to just to put a bow on reason number two here, which is homegrown Huskers. Um, I think these there's a ton of talent in the state. We've kept most of it home the last two recruiting classes. You know, it, you, these guys are less likely to transfer. You know, I feel like, it. you know, hopefully it means a lot to everybody on the roster, but it especially means something to these homegrown players. So you talk about building a foundation. We've talked about trying to build something sustainable over the course of, you know, all fall. Um, this is a huge piece of that. So um, yet again, another yeah. another reason to to believe Husker fans. So number three on our list here, Probably won't surprise too many people, but is simply Matt Rule, the head man. Um, you know, if you've listened to the podcast, you know, we are believers in Coach Rule. Um, we're drinking the Rule Aid. Um, and look, I think now we've got we've got a body of work out there. We've got 12 games to evaluate. There were probably some mistakes made, certain decisions made, things that people could nitpick at. Um, that's fine. You know, when you accept the head job and you take the big paycheck or you're on the staff or you're on the team, that's, it comes with big time college football guys are going to get criticized. But I think when we look at some big picture factors, we are as strong of believers in coach rule as, as we've ever been. And this is both due to his history before Nebraska and what we witnessed in year one. So we dug into the history a little bit, guys. Um, I'll tick through this really quick. Um, You know, four years at temple, his first year, he went two and 10. Second year, he went six and six. Third year, he went 10 and four. Fourth year, he went 10 and three. Then in three years at Baylor, his first year, he went one and 11. Next year, he went seven and six. Third year, he went 11 and three. Um, and so, you know, he's got a proven process. It's, it's, yep. I think it's totally fair to expect a jump in year two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both of those situations that he inherited at Temple and Baylor were much bigger dumpster fires than what he inherited at Nebraska. Not that, you know, he had a lot to fix at Nebraska, but those were both like really uh, down in the dump situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then year one was his best year one yet. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, all those factors combined, um, you know, based on his history, I think it's fair to expect to jump in year two. That's kind of what I alluded to in previous podcasts was just, just based on a record alone, I was, I really wasn't that upset with the way things ended. Yeah, I wish we would have made a bowl game. We just needed one more game. But just from a numbers standpoint, and arithmetic, we were ahead of schedule, um, just based on those stats alone. So that kind of gave me some confidence. Um, the other thing I think that nobody ever talks about, and it's because it's NFL. There's those people I remember when he got hired that will say, "Well, he got fired from Carolina, so he must not be that great." But 
has anybody paid attention to what's going on with the Carolina Panthers right now? Yeah. I mean, they're <laughs> yeah. awful. And Matt, it's yeah. nothing to do with Matt Rule. Their no, owner Matt, is a freaking nut job. Yeah, Matt their Rule is just, not the problem. Owner, yes. Did you guys see the clip? He threw a drink on a he fan. Threw did a you guys see that? A Jaguars yeah. fan. Like the dude is an unhinged nut job. He fired Frank Reich and he didn't even remember how to pronounce his name. He called him Frank Reich. <laughs> <laughs> at a press conference about it and then they ask him they're like are you are you patient and he's like yes i'm a patient man i'm very patient but i'm also not patient and so i personally there was no way matt rule was going to win there with that that guy behind the scenes running things anyways i don't think matt rule had a shot there so that gave me even more after seeing some of this stuff unfold more confidence in the fact that i think we have a, a, a baller for a head coach no doubt yeah i totally agree and i also think like I never, if the guy's done it at the college level, I put much more stock and weight on that um, mm -hmm. than, you know, Saban didn't do well in the NFL. Like, you know, yeah, some like, guys are just built yep. more for the college game. For I sure. think when you look at rules, enthusiasm for his players, how much he wants to help them grow into, into becoming young men and build mm -hmm. something, you know, sustainable at Nebraska. I think he's just geared better for the college game. Yeah. 100%. I mean, he, he's a, you know, the son of a son of a preacher, right? He's a motivator. Yep. And, you know, you, you hear it enough when you, those types of guys in the NFL don't always work out because well, you've got guys making grown million, men. million, grown yeah. men making millions of dollars and right. maybe don't want to sit there and hear the, the rah, rah speech yep. um, as now, as, as good as Matt rule is at giving those speeches, there are just D bags in the locker room in the NFL, in the NFL, <laughs> that are going to sit there and be like, I don't need to hear this. You know, I'm, I'm going to go out and right. get in my, get in my Ferrari and drive home. Now his um, skill set is more geared towards just the molding of a younger mind. In my yeah, opinion. absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And especially the, the, what he did at two programs that TJ, you said they, they were much bigger dumpster fires. I mean, you know, he's temple. Historically, yeah. Historically, historically, temple has been God awful. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I remember them. It always seemed like Penn state scheduled temple early in the season as like, a, just basically like a warm up game before they <laughs> yeah. saw the big 10 schedule in Baylor where they were coming off ba practically the death penalty with yep. our, the whole Bryles. Art Bryles scandal. Yeah. Um, so and, and I can't remember he he had a very very small amount of scholarship players even left uh, by the time he got there. Um, I'm gonna plead plead ignorance. Where the hell is Temple at? I always do this. It's it's right uh, isn't it in Philly? It's in Pennsylvania somewhere. Yeah, it is. I okay. thought it was in yeah. Philly. I remember Jeff, Temple Jeff, more. There's this, there's this really cool thing called Google. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll talk, my phone I'll is out of reach. I can't reach it over here. I'm not going to reach for that thing. I'll talk to you about it after the episode. Okay, thank you. I always cool. thought whenever I think of Temple, I always think it wasn't uh, that the uh, basketball coach uh, John Cheney wasn't that Temple. Remember they had like the uh, the like the bags under his eyes. Always looked like he and the tie like loose loosened yes. down a little bit. Yes, it's in Philly, Geoff. That took me Philly. two two and a half seconds. What? <laughs> I'm looking up John Cheney right now. Is I just want to see this guy. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was him. He was yeah. a fiery old school basketball coach. Loved um, him. Yeah. He was yeah. Awesome. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Good pull. Good yep. pull. You got a vest um, and a tie on there. Yeah, that's him. All right. So uh you know, all due respect to John Cheney. Moving away from 
Um, <laughs> um, you alive still? <laughs> I, I, I don't think Coach Cheney's still alive. R.I.P. But, but <laughs> he looked he looked like he was going to stroke out on the sideline occasionally. As worked up as he would get. I must admit, I didn't see the R.I.P. John Cheney happening in this episode. But we're here to cover. <laughs> we're here to cover all the important uh, all the important um, stories for the common fans. Um, so, I mean, and the other piece with Rule is so he's got the track record. Like he seems to know how to how to do this right. Um, yep. and I, you know, side note, I think he's committed. I think he'll be at Nebraska longer than he was at those places. Like, I think he's decided this is the place he wants to stay and try and really win something. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. We hope that's true. But the other thing is what we witnessed this year. Right. And, you know, Tom Chattel on, on this program, uh, talked about how he's a builder, right. Um, Gary Sharp on this program said he doesn't stand pat. Right. So, you know, he's going to keep working to fix things until they're fixed. And I think we talked about this a little bit before, but I think the biggest thing to me is, and, and I actually, you know, I, I admire it about him. We've had previous coaches who maybe have some stubbornness or even some hubris, and they're unwilling to change the way that they do certain things. And I think what we see from Rule, I mean, he's comfortable in his own skin, but he's also, and, and he's open minded enough you know, that he can acknowledge when things need to change. And um, I appreciate, you know, he'll stand up and he'll stand up for his assistant coaches. He'll stand up for certain players. Um, you know, he said, you know, for instance, the quarterback situation, he said he wants, he wants these guys to stay, you know, Harburg and, and, um, and um, uh, why am I blanking on uh, um, and Purdy and Purdy. Purdy. Um, and, you know, I think he, you know, even stood up for Jeff Sims and said maybe they didn't do enough to support him. Like he'll take the bullet for his players and for his coaches. He stood up for Satterfield, mm-hmm. um, but watch his actions. Right, immediately in the off season, we're talking to literally every transfer portal quarterback available. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm we're still waiting on it. Hopefully, um, they're taking the QB responsibilities away from Satterfield so he can just focus on being the offensive coordinator. He's seen in in, in previous stops. Um, Satterfield has seen better success when he's the offensive coordinator and not the quarterback's coach. Um, so, so we'll see, but I think when you watch, when you watch coach rules actions, um, he doesn't stand pat. He, he, like, he's willing to say, okay, this, this, and this need to be better. How do we go about doing that? And that sounds like a simple thing, but for all kinds of reasons, guys get to this level and they've been really, really successful to get to that point. And so they're not, they're unwilling to change the scheme. They're unwilling to change, uh, personnel, whatever it is, they get stubborn, they get arrogant, all of the above. Um, you know, how many times did we see Polini say, and I, you know, we love Bo on this program, but the scheme works, we just didn't execute. Well, then if you didn't execute, then it didn't work, you know? And so right. like, you know, the freaking rule staff was learning the option on the fly to try to come up with something that could work for Heinrich Harburg. I mean, you know, yeah. you know, I feel like they're open-minded enough to say, this isn't working. What do we need to do to make it work? Yeah. And I, and I, I, I mean, I, and I'm sure you and many, many Husker fans appreciated that it was it didn't seem like year one was a throwaway year to them. Like no, it was I, like, let's, let's adapt and figure out something that might work and let's try to get six wins and get to a bowl game. It wasn't like, no, we're going to run our system. And although there, I, I, I still kind of feel like there was a little bit of that, um, just seeing them, you know, trot some of those guys out there and try to throw some of the throws that they're trying to get them to make. And yeah, it was just Satterfield showing off his big brain. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's all it was. And uh, so I, I, I mean, I respect that and appreciate it that you're not just going to sit back and say, no, this is the way we're going to do it. You're going to look for things. You're going to adapt. You're going to look for things that, that might work to, to get the job done. Belly G option pass included, baby. The, the belly G option passes is, is uh, I'm telling the you, they listened to the podcast, Matt, and that's where they got the idea. It happened right after you brought it up on an episode. I'm still fighting my cat here. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> driving me nuts. Well, and let's let's remember, um, it you know, I, I think it was T.O. probably listening to the podcast. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was. Doctor Tom. Yeah, he because because he recommended it to the staff. So Satterfield and Rule, you know, obviously they're probably listening to the podcast as well. But we're pretty sure To is listening. So yeah, you know, Doctor Tom Osborne, happy to help guys anytime. <laughs> happy to help anytime. Um. Okay. So big believers in in Matt Rule. Oh, the other thing, the other point I wanted to make on that is just, um. I mean, it, we've it's we're in our fourth head coach in ten years, so we're a little bit tired of it and a little bit impatient. But I think everyone kind of knows and expects year one is always a little bit rough. You're always going to give grace to a first year head coach. It very rarely um, just goes smoothly. And, and especially when you take over a program that had coming into the year, six consecutive losing seasons, obviously there was a lot that needed to be fixed there um, on top of all the usual year one issues. He wants to get his own systems in place, his own schemes on offense, his defense, his own assistants, his own players, all that stuff. Um, he's inheriting a broken program guys. Like we all, we talked about this before too. Um, Husker fans don't really want to admit it, but this is as low as we've been since the 1950s. And so, you know, still could have been to a bowl game, you know, still, you know, as fans, I think we can hold them accountable and say they should have been to a bowl game. Absolutely. That you had to find a way to win one of those last four games, but um, man, they fought. Clearly these players are bought into Matt rule. You haven't seen very many enter the transfer portal. There's a lot mm -hmm. to be hopeful about. And so I think he did, he went a long way to set the foundation in year one. Absolutely. hundred percent. Again, I had a schedule in my opinion. Yep. Absolutely. All right, moving on. There's lots of reasons to be optimistic. We're capping it at four for this episode. So for the fourth and final reason, uh, probably won't surprise anyone, but we're going with the defense. Now, in, uh, in no. 2023, I don't know if you guys remember this, we had one of the worst offenses in the entire galaxy. Yes. Um, and so even with that, you know, the defense pretty much gave us a chance to win you know, every game except pretty much the Michigan game, which by the way, um, they're going to play in the national championship game about, I think it's a week from today. Is it a week from today? Yes. Uh, What's today? No, it's, Tuesday. It's Monday, right? No. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's so a week from even, yesterday. Which by the way, by the way, can we, can we like have Congress do something that actually matters and had enforce the national championship college football game to not be on a Monday freaking night? Thank you. Good God, man. I've been saying this for years. It's, same thing with the Super Bowl on a Sunday, but the Monday night national title game drives me freaking crazy. They play every other college game on a Saturday. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. It's terrible. I know they don't want to compete with the NFL, but um, it's terrible. Like, and, and it's also like if you're, I don't know. Like, I guess we always have it on anyway. But I'm usually like, I feel like I'd be so much more invested in it for whatever reason if it was on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. Like a Saturday, it should be on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday night. Yep. Um, 
But I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Video. The well, even being with on the... a Monday makes no sense. I kind of wonder, like, there's so much like magic with the New Year's Day bowl games. I kind of wonder if it wouldn't feel like that anyway. But it would feel a lot better if it was on a Saturday. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. At least, yeah. like Jeff, yeah. you mentioned the Super Bowl being on a Sunday. The NFL always plays on Sunday. Yeah. And you, at least it, it being on a Sunday, you have some time to like prep for the game, like to you know get some. Yeah, get some 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 uh, some good snacks together. Get some yeah, right. little smokies so going in the, in the crock pot or something. You yeah. know, yeah. on a Monday night, you come home from work. You gotta, you know, get the kids, you know, with their dinner, or whatever, and then school. you know, and then they got school, next, and then the game doesn't usually kick off till like between seven thirty and eight p.m. Yep, Central yep. time works for you, uh, West Coasters out there, uh, <laughs> TJ. Um, but you know when it's you know I want my my oldest would love to stay up and watch the game and I'm like dude you know it's gonna get over like ten thirty that's way past your bedtime um, yeah. I just I I'd love to see it change I'd love to see him change that I don't think it'll I'll, happen but I struggled no, that's, with just the CFP games last night like having them back to back like that like spread that out a little bit man start the second game a little bit earlier like six o'clock or something that we just we sound like really old men right now as well yeah we're, yeah, I'm we're sorry, dating man. ourselves. Sorry, we're getting off track here. No, but I think that that was a, you know, uh, I kind of don't agree with that one, Jeff. Like, I loved having them on back to back. It just put it in my veins. Okay. Uh, It was a terrible point uh, is what I said. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, No, just kidding. But, but I mean, I think you guys are spot on about the Monday night game. Like, or like also, Matt, to your point about, you know, barely throwing some food together. If it was on a weekend, you might actually like get some people together. Like, yeah. hey, you guys want to come over and watch the national championship game? And like, if it's not a team or a conference you care about, you still kind of casually watch and, and make it a social thing. Right. Yeah. Whereas if on a Monday night, you're barely getting dinner together and trying to get mm-hmm. kids to bed and all that stuff. So like when Notre Dame played in the national title game in 2000, yeah, Jeff, we're going to go, like, we're going to go back I had to, to take the day off of after the day of work off after it was just how'd a that whole go thing. for them. How'd yeah. that go for them? <laughs> yeah, think- let's just, I'll just put it to you this way. Uh, Manti Teo was not focused on that game. For <laughs> His girlfriend he died. Some, he had some other yeah. things going on at the time, guys. He had so a lot going on. Poor guy. Poor guy lost his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back back to the defense. Back to the Nebraska defense. Um, Black shirts. I mean, you know, and we said it throughout the year, but like that D did keep us in every game we were in. And no, we didn't. You know, we played some pretty pretty poor offenses that, that, that rivaled ours for ineptitude. Um, but like, like a, a good, like, whereas like a good offense is no guarantee of anything, because if your defense is porous, that will catch up to you. Eventually a good defense yeah. can take you a long way. Iowa being exhibit a in that. So like, I feel like we've got that piece of the foundation firmly in place already after yeah. year one. And then the exciting part, part for me guys is we got almost the entire D coming back. Yeah. So you got, yeah. like the, you got so many, like, you know, I was looking at the, at the scholarship distribution chart today, but like, geez, uh, Nash Hutmacher, the polar bear, um, Ty Robinson, John Bullock, Isaac Gifford, Tommy Hill. I don't think that's even all of them. Um, and then you have like a ton of promise among the young guys, you know, Cam Lanhart, Prince Will, Uman Mielen, my favorite word, Maddie, Joe's favorite word to Ooh. say, yes. you know, Riley Van Poppel, um the guy from uh was it northern iowa or or wherever it was we always forget his name um who it was a he had a bunch of sacks number 90 uh um, oh james williams 
James Williams. Sorry, James. And we're uh, uh, Jamari Butler. And Jamari Butler, president of the fan club, right here. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's there's a ton of I feel like there's a ton of guys who saw time this year. We're not even saying everybody. Um, and so that that foundation is play is in place. Tony White is back, defensive coordinator. That's huge. Brace yourself, Husker fans. Tony White is going to get a head coaching job. It yeah. could come as soon as 2025, but it's huge for this program that will have him for a second year. Um, and hats off, you know, props to Coach Rule and Trev Alberts for paying the man. He's now the highest paid assistant. He's making $1.6 million. He's going to earn every penny of it. And hope to God, hey, maybe they double his pay again next year and, and he wants to come back one more time or something. But it's huge that he's coming back and coordinating the defense. I feel like there's there's always such a leap that, you know, you can hope to expect from the offense and the special teams, the program as a whole in year two. So if the defense can even take a little bit of a leap, I mean, they're already so good. They can stay yeah. as they were or even take a little bit of a leap. Man, guys, uh, that's going to be really exciting going into next year. Absolutely. 100%. Um, all right. Any other thoughts on the defense? I got nothing, Tej. No, I think I think they're going to be damn good. And we've talked about this before too, but you mentioned a few guys. Well, there's there's a couple of guys on there that didn't have to come back. Um, but you know, we we talk about who's who's buying in when you have when you have 6-year guys coming back when, you know, I don't know. Gifford maybe could make it in the NFL. I don't know if he's getting drafted, um, but Ty Robinson would have. I mean, he 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 yeah. probably would have gotten drafted. Um, yeah. But when they're willing to say, you know what, I'm going to come back one more year, um, put in all the work again, um, and and you know maybe this is like the other side of the NIL. Like, yeah, it works to bring guys in here, but also maybe it works to keep guys around longer that would have yeah. gone pro. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm, I love, I love what we've got coming back and I'm excited to see, you know, what young, you know, newer, younger guys, maybe that played a little bit this year that we got to see, get some more time or some, you know, some brand new guys get in there and see what they could do on D2. Cause we, if there's one thing we learned in year one is they're going to play a lot of guys on that defense, which yeah, I yeah. love. Because yeah, you know, yeah. we almost never the defense almost never seemed gassed as as long yeah. as they were on the field, as much as we sub as much as we sub guys in and out. Um, I just love it. I love when you've got you know maybe thirty guys that are getting playing time on your defense. Yeah. It's unbelievable, fresh all the time, which is great. I just hope maybe we can have like a Legion of Boom situation on our hands here. Could you imagine that? Just all stars all over the place, just knocking people the hell out. I know that's bad to do in college football now, like weighing people out. But I love a good, rough, aggressive hit still to this day. Sorry if that offends any of you. Jeff, we're not offended. Not um, okay, good. <laughs> no, that's a great point. And that's what you mean. That's a good point, too. Like, I'm really excited. Who who redshirted that's going to, you know, come on strong this year? Or who of these, you know, we saw him play true freshman last year. What true freshmen this year are going to get on the field? I mean, it's just really exciting to think about. Um. So last thought. So that's that that'll wrap up the, the defense conversation. So just to kind of put a bow on this whole this whole episode, guys. Another way I kind of think about this, like I truly believe. So so you think about the history of Nebraska football, and it's like it's like multiple story arcs almost, right? Or, or multiple multiple chapters of a book, maybe we'll say, right? So, you know. Um, I think we had some good years and decades before the fifties. Nobody really knows that history, but we were God awful in the 
fifties and early sixties and Bob Devaney shows up. Right. Mm -hmm. So the, the one chapter of the book is sort of the Bob Devaney era. And he got, first he got us to respectability and then he got us to excellence. Right. Mm -hmm. And we won back-to-back -back national championships before he retired. The next chapter in the book is, is T.O. Right. And, and the T.O. The T.O. is probably at least two chapters. Right. Yeah. But, you know, Husker fans love to forget about this part, but first, you know, maybe, maybe there's more than two chapters, but he all, like he was always so good. He was always winning at least nine games, at least nine games. And that's when they only played 11, He, you know, competing for the conference right away. But the first it was, he couldn't beat Oklahoma. Right. Then it was, he couldn't win the big one, you know, and then, you know, so then he finally figured out how to beat Oklahoma. Then he started winning the big one. Then he finished with the flourish winning, you know, th three national championships in four years. Then, you know, the next part of the story, as we've argued, I will argue this till I'm blue in the face. Everybody likes to say that Nebraska football has been down since Tom Osborne left. That's not true. Solitz, mm. the Solitz era was excellent. It was, it was good to great, yeah. we'll say, depending on the year. Um, you know, Callahan was, was a bit of a misstep, but his one good year, he did play for a conference championship. Yeah. Um, and then Polini came back in and really stabilized the program. That was not that long ago and at least got us back to, you know, nine wins a year. Not as good as we had been, but we're in the top 25. Polini played for three conference championships. How much would you guys love to be playing on conference? Yeah, right. Weekend, yeah. Right. Like how yeah. much would Husker fans That's love that right now? Yeah. Right? And so, so that kind of, I think that, you know, the chapter after Osborne is probably like Solich, you know, to Polini and kind of all the drama that happened there. But by and large, those were mostly winning seasons, guys, right? Um, there's, there's only, let's see, Solich took over in 98. Um, and so uh, we only had losing seasons in, Solich never had a losing season. No. Callahan had one, and Polini never had one. So from 98 to 2014, or no, Callahan had two. From 98 to 2014, we have two losing seasons, right? Still pretty good, right? So the, the dramatic fall off started with Riley and for reasons that I will continue never to understand, sort of continued with Frost. And we're not going to get into that, but that's the, the most recent chapter of the book. And I guess we can include rule year one into, into I, mean, I don't want to include rule into that, but, but basically like that period of 2017, um, starting with Riley until through 2023, is the dark times, right? We're back mm -hmm. to the 1950s. Right. We are, we are, you know, are the teams we used to beat up on love making fun of us right now. We're down in the dumps, but Husker fans have never waned. We've never wavered. We keep showing up. And I'm telling you guys, like, I think this is like, I, I see this being a theme for us from January through August, like all through the off season. I believe in my heart, like we're closing that terrible chapter and it's time to believe in Husker football again. It's time to hope again. We just laid out a bunch of reason for the common fans to believe and hope again. Um, but I also like, this is not just like fluff. I believe the pieces are in place and look, I'm not saying Definitely. they're going to win. The, I'm not saying they're going to win the natty this year. Yeah, you like, are like, like rule 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 is most comparable to the Devaney era. Right. And yeah. I think Chattel maybe made that point. So yeah. let's, He's built like he's built. So step one is getting back to respectability, six to eight wins in year two, hopefully. And then you go from there. But I honestly, like, you know, guys, we talked about at, at the end of the year, 
it all like it was so exhausting to watch Husker games. We have four straight losses by the by the Iowa recap. It was so depressing to do one Ooh. more one more recap podcast of a depressing loss. Yep. Just I'm excited for it to be fun again. I'm excited for some of those games we're not supposed to win to go our way again. And that is going to happen, Husker fans. It's going to happen as soon as 2024. And guess what year it is? It's 2024. Woo! So, the time is now. Preach. The time is now. And uh, there it is. I'm ready to run out of the tunnel. I love it. Beautiful. Absolutely love it. Um, so there it is. There it is, common fans. We we hope you'll go on this journey with us. Um, but we're we're drinking all the roulade in 2024. But again, yeah. it's not. I think for the first time in a long time, we have a lot of reasons to actually believe it'll come true. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not just drinking the roulade. I am getting hammered. Your main, shit, your main shit face. Shit <laughs> face on roulade. So much. You're, the, you're snorting the roulade packet. I'm gonna be face, face down on the floor because of too much roulade. You're getting your stomach pumped. Yes, uh, because of too much yeah. roulade. And they roll All me. Right. The the EMTs roll me over. And all I can say is go big red. GBR. GBR, GBR for life. GBR for life. I can see Devaney. He looks, he looks glorious. glorious. He looks glorious. <laughs> okay. Um, that was a lot of roulade. Uh, let's end with, let, let's wrap it up real quick with something fun. You guys have any, any uh, new year's resolutions or uh, anything you're focused on this year? Yeah. I mean, I could have been, I could have been responsible and done something like, uh, maybe I should try and work out a little bit more. Maybe <laughs> I should try spending more time with my family. But of course, I focus on the things I should be focusing on, namely not yelling at my family after a Husker loss <laughs> is probably something I should just check off my list. I don't think that's, it's good for anybody. It's not good for me, definitely, but probably not good for my wife and my children either. So I might want to try and you know work on that a little bit. What about you guys? That's a good one, Jeff. That's, that that's a, that is a good one. I'm yeah. just I'm just gonna try to um I have I've been pretty good about you know the hat throwing. I think it, I, there might have been one or two this year, um, but nothing really egregious. Um I just get really quiet and I noticed after the Iowa and, game, Matt. It was just was a sad a little a little bit like a little bit like why is this happening to me? Um, you know, um, why is this happening to us? Um you know, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to try not to let a Husker loss uh, ruin uh, the better part of, of an entire weekend uh, for me. Um, good for you. Yeah. I feel like this is like a group, a group self-help session here. TJ, yeah. why don't you tell us what your resolution was? Well, I mean, I definitely threw the hat a few times this year, I can remember specific, the Wisconsin game in particular was what was a, was a pretty, like I, my, I hurt my shoulder throwing my hat um, during that one. So you know, I'll be 42 when the 2024 football season kicks off. I think that's a good age not to throw your hat again, yeah. ever again, like never, like the, the threshold should be zero at that age. Like there's no reason to throw your hat uh, during a college sporting event. I'm sure I won't live up to, 
to that high standard I'm setting for myself, but I do want to not throw the, not throw the hat as much this year. I think I'm better about, you know, like really losing it and yelling and swearing at the TV or, or punching the couch as much. Mm. I might like slap, slap my knee or, or something like that. But I think I'm a lot better on that front. Just the other one is with you, Matteo is just like, like, and we've been through this a lot recently, unfortunately. So we should know better, but just that feeling after a loss, like someone died, yeah, you know, yeah. like, like someone, yeah. someone died, like someone you love died suddenly and you weren't expecting it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And just like, why God, how could this possibly happen? Why am I, how could I possibly be going through this? How will I ever go on? Just trying to like, <laughs> not feel like that for five or six days after a Husker loss. Yeah. Let yeah. me know that none uh, of these are attainable by any measure. No, of course no. And you're doing these things. No, of course not. But we're going to try. That's what it's all about. And you know what? Fun. We we want to reiterate something we've mentioned several times on this podcast. There's no judgment. If, if no, you're throwing your hat, we are not judging you. Judgment. We are, we this is something we are working on us. Um, but if you're going to th throw the hat or punch the couch, I, we get it. We've been, there. Fans, we've done fans. it. What, what is we will do it again. Common fans want to work on. That's what I want to know. Email us, tweet at us. What do you do that you wish that you didn't do? Like I've been, has everybody done the thing where something terrible happens during a game and you're just like, Oh my God. And then you have to just get up and almost leave the room and disgust. I'm a, like, I'm a room leader. Everybody. <laughs> I will go yeah. outside for no for no particular reason. I'll just walk outside, taking a few breaths of fresh yep. air. Um, Room yeah. I've been there. And then and then Absolutely. pathetically come running back in, like, oh, the game's back on. Did I miss did I miss something? <laughs> try. I'm telling you this right now. Try and I know you've probably done this, Stones. I've I've watched many games with you, but like switching where you're sitting or moving to a different room to watch. It, we were doing really well when I was sitting in this chair in the back dark corner of the room i'm gonna go sit back there that's oh, not working anymore. oh I yeah get up on the recliner. i've done that i've also changed shirts yep. uh, i've also changed hats um in there yeah um yeah absolutely I've, mm -hmm. I've, I've done all those things um but you you make a good point you both make good points one you know this is a judgment-free zone you throw your hat because you care you punch yeah. the couch because you care. No yep. one's going to judge you for caring. No. Certainly not on the Common Fan Podcast. And I love GF's idea. Send us an email, commonfangbr at gmail.com uh, or, or tweet at us or uh, however you want to do it. We'd love to hear um, either what you're going to work on or just some of your best stories of maybe the most yeah. embarrassing things. Yeah, what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the worst yeah. thing you did, <laughs> when did you during a Husker bottom? loss? I do, I, well, I do. I do. I rock bottom. I legitimately want to do an entire episode on that. And that's maybe like a July or August thing. Um, yep. But maybe if we get some good entries, some good submissions based on this episode, we can start sort of collecting, collecting them and preparing for that, for that future episode. Because I love and, that idea. And we can, we can keep you anonymous too. Like if it's a real bad one, like a, like a, um, <laughs> Like urinating in public, or um, <laughs> you know, throwing a bar stool through a bar window, or something like that. We we will we can you know the statute of limitations probably has passed on set offenses, but we can keep you anonymous if it's too embarrassing. Well, and as we've said many times, we're not journalists, but in this case, if you would like to be kept off the record, we will we will stick to we that honor that request journalistic principle. Yeah, yes. and have some integrity there. Um. So that, that's a good point, Matthew. 
Well, uh, guys, I'm glad to be back at it. As we said during the Christmas episode, it feels Tom great to be back. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's exciting. We're, we're not it. we're not going anywhere. Um, we, we, the goal is one to two episodes per week during the off season. Um, we've got some guests lined up. We're not quite ready to share who those are, but we're really excited about the guests um, and just some other fun episode ideas coming up. So, uh, and hey, before we uh, close this one out. We need to give a shout out to Nebraska ball, the men's Husker yes. Hoops team. Yep. Um, and we tweeted about this, yes, but sir. they are undefeated since Jake Mule joined the pod. Um, and Jake said, I what did he say? You believe, I believe you said he needed to win out in December. Well, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, the common fans, if you haven't listened to the, to the episode, um, Husker radio um, color man, Jake Muleheisen came on the program to give us a little bit of an update on December 8th. That was right after the Huskers had lost back-to-back to Creighton. And then they went to Minnesota. They blew a 15-point halftime lead and lost that one. And so we were kind of saying, geez, Jake, like, you never – it's net, you know, it's, it's early in the season, but, like, are they playing themselves out of the tournament already? And Jake said, well, they basically need to win out in December. And they went out and did just that. Um, including wins against Michigan State, who I think is going to turn out to be a pretty dang good team, yeah, yep. Kansas State as well. Um, yeah. And so they took care of business when they needed to. Is it a coincidence that Jake came on the program and said that, and then the Huskers responded? I don't think so. Do no. we deserve Do we deserve credit for yes. the Husker basketball performance? Yes, we do. Yes, yes we, do. we do. Um yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Jake, we should put it out there. Jake, you're welcome to come back anytime. You know, if you feel like the Huskers need another nudge, especially hopefully we'll have them on for, for another update or two anyway this season. But um, huge shout out to the Husker basketball team. We're recording this on Tuesday, January 2nd. They got a big one against Indiana tomorrow night yeah. as well. The Hoosiers are coming um, to town with the sweetest, with the sweetest warm-up pants in all of basketball. Those candy cane striped. <laughs> those are so cool. Oh I man. I wonder if you can buy those like retail. I'd love to have some of those. I would too. You know what else I like? Not even related to basketball at all, but you ever see those Husker fans with like the red and white overalls? Yes. I don't think I could pull it off, but no. I've always thought, oh, that guy's that's a great, great outfit, great game day outfit. Those are great. Jeff, you were quick with the no there, Jeff, saying that I could not could not pull it off. He said, I don't think I could pull it off. And you immediately said no. No, no, I'm hell? just not, I'm not I'm not a big fan of them. I'm not gonna lie to you. I, just, I don't really like those. They just they don't look good to me. Well, that's not the question. The question it's is good. whether or not Matty. I don't think I don't think anybody can pull them off. I think you, I think you look great in them, Matt. I think I could, especially yeah. if I was shirtless underneath, just yeah. bare on your corn cob, back hair, back why hair, we, arm hair. Why are adults wearing costumes to games? I'm just I'm just curious. Yeah. We're here to give the common fans what they want, and the common fans want to see Matty O in red and white striped overalls. So put it on the list for 2024. Yeah, All right, right, boys. Um, I think we put a stake in the ground here. I think uh, I think what we've done here is very important for what the Huskers are going to do in 2024. It's going to be up to us. Every fan needs to be on board and rowing in the same direction. But the key takeaway here is, common fans, this is a new this is a new hope, a time to hope again, a time to believe again. The Huskers are going to start winning again. 2024 begins a new chapter in Husker football, and we can't wait to be here uh, to help you guys enjoy it. Um, as always. I am TJ Burkle alongside Maddie Owens Sr. and Geoff and Lincoln. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. GBR for life. Snort the roulade.
Mm-hmm.